Look at it, Superboy. A duplicate of you. Sort of. It's uncanny. I mean, he looks so bizarre. Bizarro? You call me Bizarro? He can talk. Bizarro. I said he was bizarre. Even his hearing is defective. Is he like me? Uh, an imperfect hue. Definitely not human. Where am I? Who am you? I'm Superboy. Why are you dressed like me, Superboy? The duplicating machine. Never mind. It's it's part of both of us. Help me get here. This duplicating machine. It uh, created you. This machine. It made me. It was an accident. Me. Accident? No, that's not what he meant. It's me. No accident. This machine. No good. Me. Go. I can't let you go. Me. I've got to stop him. But he's got all your powers. And with that warped mind of his, there's no telling what damage he might do. Uh, look at my machine. I don't know how I'll ever get this fixed. Do what you can here, Professor. I'll contact you when I find him. If I find him. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Third Degree Burn. This is called, uh, I guess we're going to call it Third Degree Burn Before Burn. This is a tangent based upon the discussion of Man of Steel Issue 5, which was the Bizarro episode that John Byrne generated. And apparently it was Boy comic from Knights of Age when this came out, so I have no knowledge of this, but was pleasantly surprised. And we have Tim and I decided that maybe we get together and take a look at this and do some comparison. A warning up front. If you're a burn, third degree burn episode, this is not it. And you'll probably want to skip to go to another episode. This is a tangent. This is not devoted to John Byrne. But we've done this before. I'm uh, joined, as I mentioned, by uh, host Tim Elliott, who's out in L.A. Or no, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. And uh, he's recording and doing some of the heavy lifting for us tonight. So I want to say thanks. Thanks for joining me. Oh, no worries. This is a... Uh... We talked about this when we did the the Man of Steel issue five, because I didn't realize that it was so. And this is pretty heavy. We'll talk, discuss this. It's pretty heavily influenced from this story. He's he he has, which I found that I thought was odd that he didn't uh, put any kind of acknowledgement or anything or inspired by or some kind of notice in the issue that you know this is taking from taken from this issue of Superboy, which is the first. It's not the first appearance of Bizarro as he would be, as he would later become or known as, but it is the first Bizarro. But I think the Superman Bizarro that everybody kind of thinks of what, of what, when they think of Bizarro, came uh, about a year later in an action comics. Um, I read something, uh, did a little digging on Wikipedia, and read a quote. I can't remember who it was from. Maybe from editor Julius Schwartz. I can't recall exactly. But the person said, 
oh, no, I came up with the concept of Bizarro as being the anti-Superman or the opposite, the mirror image, and it was in works for the Superman newspaper strip before this Superboy issue ever appeared. So discrepancy as to whether this predates the uh, the rest of Bizarro or, in fact, the concept was um, pioneered or, or being developed for the newspaper strip, but this saw print right. first. And this is, well, the, the, the name so, comes, we get the name, the basic kind of appearance other than he doesn't look, he's not He's not so much a an opposite of Bizarro as more of an imperfect copy, which is... Um, basically what the burn story that we covered in man of steel is, is based on that. It's an imperfect copy of Superman's flawed. It's, it's not his intelligence is there. Um, and this is a, and I have to say, I haven't, I've not read a lot of, uh, would this be considered golden age and time? This is early silver age, right? This is, uh, depending on how you define the start of the silver age, this is pre Marvel comics. This is, I think it predates, uh, the Silver Age Flash in Showcase number uh, four, I think it is. That's considered for DC right. the start of the Silver Age. So this is, yeah, late Golden Age, but I would call this Silver Age too. because of the tropes, because of the feel. Uh, very, very classic DC Superboy family of Superman right. type of approach. And it is, uh, and again, I haven't read a lot of Golden Age stuff, even Silver Age. This is, this is a really wacky story. This is, yeah, yeah. They are. They have their own internal yeah. logic, and they explain things to the reader as to, oh, and so this is why it makes yeah. sense. And you know, as a kid, we just lapped it up. It's like, oh, it's that way because they yeah, told us that. Yeah, that it way. makes sense. Uh, well, if you want me to kind of, I'll, let me give you some information about this. This is uh, again, it's Superboy number sixty-eight. Uh, from 1950, October 1958, uh, and I'm not really familiar with anybody involved in this. The writer is Otto Bender, and that name sounds kind of familiar. Mm -hmm. Our penciler is George Papp, anchor is George Papp, and our editor is Mort Weisinger. Now, I've heard the name Mort Weisinger before. Uh, I think he's most associated with um, DC. Um, yes. That's why I just know, I know the name. I mean, he's not you know, most of the names I know from Silver Age DC are like, uh, like you mentioned, Julie, Sh Julie Schwartz, uh, uh, Haney. What's Haney's first name? Um, Bob. Bob Haney. You know, uh, Zany Haney, which I've heard some. He, you know, um, and of course, you know the Gil Kane's, the uh, Kurt Swan. Uh, oh, who drew uh, Flash? Flash. Uh, uh, I want to say Carmen Infantino, uh, but I really don't know. I really don't know. This is out of my Carmen Infantino. Zone. That's right. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. It's it's absolutely out of mind. I've never read. I don't think I own any Superboy. I've never read any Superboy. I don't know how he. I don't know how he fits in with Superman fans if they like like. Uh, I know Scott Gardner is a big fan of Superboy because he loves the Legion. Yeah, we should have him here tonight. Apologies to Scott for not including <laughs> you. Uh, please weigh in, Scott. Yeah, this is kind of impromptu, but. Uh, and I think that's all I've got. I, I'll give a quick synopsis. I think I kind of went over this in our uh, our Man of Steel episode, but this is uh, it's broken down. It's called a novel. It's a great three part novel. Bizarro, the super creature of steel, uh, and the, the the actual. It's broken into three kind of chapters, but it's the boy of steel versus the thing of steel. 
Uh, and our story is, when a defective duplicating ray created by Professor Dalton strikes Superboy, it creates a grotesque, stupid, <laughs> imperfect duplicate of the Boy of Steel with uh, nonetheless possesses all of the, po the incredible powers. Moreover, it is not affected by green kryptonite. Superboy remarks that the creature is bizarre, to which the creature replies, Him call me Bizarro. Is, uh, is that my name? Bizarro is basically good-hearted, but cannot control his powers very well, and proves dangerous to Smallville. However, he is prevented by a blind girl named Melissa, who senses his benevolence nature, benevolent nature. Superboy is unable to defeat Bizarro by conventional means, but finally senses that the metal of the demolished duplicator ray itself can destroy him. Bizarro deliberately flies into the piece of metal Superboy holds, destroying himself, but creating a vibration that restores Melissa's sight. Superboy muses that Bizarro may have may have understood that what effect his destruction could have on Melissa's eyes, and as a boy still flies away, he hears Melissa say, I never saw Bizarro himself while blind, but I know from his gentle voice that he must have had a kind face. That's a that's kind of a quick synopsis. That's a, this story is actually quite long because it's it's um, takes the whole issue. It takes the whole issue, and and I guess I guess uh, again I'm not that familiar with with uh, with kind of Golden Age that this probably would have had three stories in it maybe. Is that this, the maybe the normal format? They would have had three kind of small stories broken up in this instead of one long one, or two with a shorter backup of some other yeah. DC character. That that was not unusual for uh, DC at the time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was a little unusual, but it's <laughs> it's it's crazy. We talked about this. It has a uh, a really a, a goofy golden age that it's kind of a. Uh, it's kind of a Frankenstein in that the, that exactly. Bizarro was obviously meant to be kind of a, a I don't want to say pathetic, but he's uh, he's created and he's they continually call him dumb. They call him dumb and stupid through the whole right through the whole uh, story. Yeah, yeah. Because he's because what happens is they find out that uh, Professor Dalton just like oh yeah I create a duplicating machine, but it doesn't duplicate anything properly. He's trying to create more radium uh, for hospitals to use because Superboy says, oh, this will help the hospitals cure, I guess, I'm assuming, right. patient or something. So he's trying to, he's, he's got a, you know, he's got a benevolent, uh, you know, a motive to create this duplicate machine, but it doesn't work right. And then in typical comic fashion, he stumbles and just hits the machine, it swing, swings around, blasts Superboy, and then explodes. And they're like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. Let's throw all this stuff away. And they they realize that oh no they created a duplicate of him, but he looks uh, unlike in the burn story he kind of slowly started to deteriorate. In this one he starts off white he looks very uh, angular he's kind of uh, angular and fragmented and faceted, so he looks almost like he's made out of stone or some kind of a a gem or something. And the professors and they're pretty callous about it. Oh no no he's he, he's We'll destroy him later. He's he's fine. He's made out of he's not made out of anything living. Right. Let's throw this stuff away. We'll just destroy it. Get rid of him. And then you find out he's gone and he's out walking around and he's got like a, a mind of a child. You know, he doesn't understand who he is. He kind of has some of Superboy's uh, abilities, abilities or his memory. He seems that 
to think that he needs to do uh he's just looking for a friend he really just wants to do good uh then he catches sight of himself in a in a in a window and he and he realizes that oh, i'm ugly so he throws a car through it and that's when the town's folks are like oh this guy's a menace no and, it's a green car by the way yeah it is a green car uh hearkening back to the original uh uh, Superman first. Oh, the uh, green car, cover. yeah. Um, not not that obvious, but I call right. that subtlety. And the cops just round him up. The the professor rounds up a what they call a posse of cops, and he and they 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 emphasize this throughout this story that he's not alive, he's not living. Uh, so it's okay to kill him, destroy him, even though he's walking. He seems to have intelligence. He's uh he seems to have feelings. And they just shoot, try to shoot him down, and he doesn't understand that why he doesn't understand why they are attacking him. He's like, I, you know, they think I'm bad. Why are you trying to do this? So he's he he again. He has some kind of a a a, a base memory of who Superboy is. So he flies to the Kent house, mm-hmm. and he's hungry, and he he X-rays the roast to cook it, which can't probably be good for anybody. Uh, well, note that that Ma Kent is trying to light the oven. It's a gas yeah, oven that's that she a... <laughs> has to ignite each time. So this is very much rooted in the 1940s and 50s. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, and I guess in this, it looks like in not on a farm. Um, and I don't know if that was typical of the, this this era of when he was, you know, he was pretend, you know, he was young Superman on the edge of Smallville. Exactly. Well, we we didn't mention that. When they discover he's gone, suddenly he sees the the in Metropolis that the zoo that the uh, lightning has struck. Lightning has struck and released the animals from each trope. Oh my goodness, the animals are all, all, loose, from, all well, there's a lot of there's just a lot of random lightning strikes in this story too because uh, later mm-hmm. that comes up. But so that just basically that gets Superboy out of the way so that Bizarro who has these kind of self-labeled himself can go be Superboy. And he, and he, uh, and I guess this is again, something if, if I'd read, it's even labeled. He goes up into Superboy's room, finds a hidden closet, finds a whole bunch of Superboy robots that are labeled with tags. Yeah. On them. It says Superboy robot. Uh, and then he tries to sit down and, and Ma Kent's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're horrible. You know, don't call me mom. And, that he just walks away crying, you know. He's 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 kind of a sen- a sensitive uh, monster, monster, and he's so he goes off and finds another uh, another family and just breaks into their house and basically says, "You should adopt me." Uh, and they they're yeah, I need to be adopted. Yeah, <laughs> they're terrified of him, so they pretend to um, adopt him. And I thought this was interesting. That is, what are their names? Uh, this I don't is know that we ever get one. Hiram, Hiram, and Hilda, which I thought that's okay. very, very fifties names. But he he goes to scare the scarecrows off. The scarecrow fell over, so he goes and scares them off and realizes, oh, I scared even the birds off. And uh, 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 a way of thinking he can just his um, his secret identity. You know, he he I... thinks they won't recognize him, but of course they see right through that he's. That he's just bizarre dressed in a uh, Superman outfit, and he just continually is scorned by everybody, and he is just everybody is is uh, a prince in the concrete. 
Because he's walking. as if it's wet cement, but he's crushing yeah. it. But he's just crushing it. He's just walking. Because I walked too hard and left super, super footprints in cement. In the cement, so that's that kind of playing place a lot of uh, throughout this whole story. It's a lot of and that's when he meets the blind girl when he's kind of sitting on the side of the road, kind of crying and moping, and she comes out, hears his voice, and this is in the burn story. This is Lois Lane's sister. Uh, and this is Melissa who comes out and again, like Frankenstein, she, she, oh, you've got a kind voice, you know, and he thinks, oh, this is great. I've got a friend. She, he doesn't realize mine. And he, uh, he thinks, oh, I've got a friend. This is great. And he, you know, he wants to go tell his parent or his adopted parents the good news. And I love how the mother comes out and tells him, tells her, you shouldn't go anywhere without your seeing eye dog and your cane. And that tells us that she's blind, you know, because, uh, but of course, Bizarro's flying away at that time and doesn't realize that she's. Um... So this is somewhat of a cliffhanger at the end of chapter one. A uh, little side note, the girl who appears to be completely normal until we get that right. reveal at the end. Uh, she very much looks like Sandra D or like uh, Olivia mm-hmm. Newton-John yeah. in Greece. She, she, all it's missing is uh, the, poodle, the actual the, uh, poodle on her skirt. That's all we're missing. She's yes. Got pick, she's got a ponytail. and she's Saddle, shoes, yeah. ponytail, very blonde, perfect yeah. complexion. I mean, the classic 1950s teeny bopper uh, yep. image. This is... Now, I'm reading this online. So in addition to the story pages, there are also advertisements for, uh, for Silver Age things that kids would be interested in, including, I don't know if you've got this, but Tootsie Rolls yeah. and a one-page... Uh, educational uh, story about uh, Binky. Binky of, and I I don't recall reading this one, but you know they're they're little fillers. Uh, little Pete, who is very much like uh, Dennis the Menace, uh, you know one one page six panel little uh, joke, and then we resume the story again. So it was not unusual to see interspersed with commercials, uh, mm-hmm. ad pages, so to speak. These other occasional um, it's like a commercial break in a television show. In it a is almost television that way. Show. Yeah. There are two or three commercials that drop in that or not even sell anything. And I have the impression that these were fillers that were there so that if national publications or DC had the ability to sell them, boom, that strip would have been out of there and there would have been a full page ad for fill in the blank aurora models or tootsie rolls or or whatever but that's basically what they're uh, occupying well it's also interesting that when the if you when you get to chapter two away super creature we get kind of a glimpse of what's happening it's it doesn't take up exactly where it left off it you get kind of a glimpse of what's happening in the story then it kind of cuts back right to it's kind of like a preview because you get it's almost like a splash page of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, Bizarro is swinging on. He's gone to school. He's swinging on the uh, the gymnasium or the trapeze, and he's of course ripping it down from them uh, from the ceiling. And we get a little uh, little kind of a teaser here about it says alarm alarm grips all Smallville as Superboy's dangerous duplicate is still at large, impervious to harm or capture when Superboy himself returns can he prevent the living super creature from wrecking havoc uh and then it kind of cuts to him which i thought was a weird abrupt cut to he he sees him laying in the forest and he thinks he's 
dead. And of course, he, he looks, <clears throat> he feels his pulse, there's no pulse. He looks in, he doesn't see any, him breathing. So he thinks he's... He's dead, he's gone. He's dead, he's de dead. So he takes him... So Superboy's convinced the menace is over with. Yeah, and it, it's they don't follow up. He takes him right back to, <clears throat> excuse me, to Professor Dalton and just says, oh, he's, he's dead, we can all get a good night's sleep. Uh, and they just cover him up. And then he goes home uh, to his mom. He uh, then Bizarre just wakes up, and we get some of this 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 science expert that you were referring to earlier. Um, when the professor realizes that he is he was just asleep, and he says, um, "I forgot his imitation heart wouldn't beat, nor his lungs breathe. He isn't alive in the first place." Uh, so then he just flies off again, to, and he wants to tell uh, he wants to tell Melissa about uh, what's going on. And then he finds her again, still doesn't realize she's blind, because she doesn't keep again. She has no dog. She has no cane. Uh, and he but just she's tells outside a door that says Braille class. Yeah, now, I who's guess he supposed can't... to read that. <laughs> he can't. I guess he can't read that enough. What's true? How are they supposed to read it? <laughs> um, and that's when I guess this special class for the blind is in the regular high school because Superboy yes uh oversees it, it to be there. and realizes that he's still he's still alive and that's when Bizarro decides to go and he throughout the whole story he's really is just trying to be a normal guy. Fit in. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to fit he's in. He's trying to fit in and he can't because he can't control his powers. Uh he doesn't you know, again they they call him they call him stupid throughout the whole throughout the whole thing. And this is just kind of excuses for Superboy to, you know, he throws the medicine ball too hard. And Clark's like, well, I, I can't, you know, I can't let him see me catch it. So I, he uses his super breath to divert it. Then Bizarro pulls a, like an exercise um, Spring. springs or something. And it rips all the screws out. And they start flying at the kids like bullets. The so Superboy has to. Uh, and I thought this was interesting. In this book. He, they you say his x-ray vision is what causes the heat, not his heat vision. Yes, yes. That was a revision in uh, in Silver Age uh, mythology. They get a separate they, power. They, they do that. Yeah, they, they spin it off into a separate power, but originally the x-ray vision right. was considered his his method of heating, heating things. Heating things up. Uh, you know, and then they're just, he just starts wrecking. He wrecks the, uh, the punching bag and... Then he throws Clark. He throws Clark, and again, it's more of this. I've got to, you know, he's got to hide his secret identity. So he he flies, pretending like he flew into the pool. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I thought it was interesting that the boys actually turn on Bizarro and call him a bully, call him a super bully, and basically tell him to to get out. And Bizarro again starts to kind of cry and realizes he's not. Um, he's kind of like Chunk from the Goonies, you know. He's he's big. He's too strong. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know his own powers, and he's trying to to just fit in. To your point, but uh, then Clark, <clears throat> again, Silver Age, he decides to. I've got to go find some kryptonite, so he just flies into space, and just starts. Yeah, I'll look at all these meteorites. I'll find some kryptonite somewhere. Yeah, they're all swinging yeah. through. Oh, look, there's one, and because it's affecting me. You know, yeah, real, real smart, Clark. So he flies all the way back. <laughs> To get a suit, he goes to the lead and zinc works and gets a suit, like it looks like a suit of armor, mm -hmm. made out of lead, so he can go back and get the kryptonite. 
and then and there's a lot of explanation of his uh he uses like sonar and again this is, must be for the kids it's kind of goofy it's sure he says warships use sonar to detect submerged submarines by their sound i use the same i use my super hearing to pick up bizarro's footsteps they're louder than any others he walks with super force so he finds bizarro and throws the uh kryptonite at him and it doesn't affect him at all and he realizes that because he wasn't created on earth or no he was created on earth not krypton kryptonite won't affect him and bizarro thinking it's a game throws it back and it breaks superboy's uh land which seems like it must have been paper thin it breaks it and it just kind of uh it knocks him out you know so he falls to the earth and bizarro thinks he is sleeping so he's just gonna uh thinks he's playing games so he just runs off and <laughs> Uh, again, so much of this feels like filler. Yeah. Because he goes by and sees a studio. Um, he wants to do something nice for him. So he goes by a sculptor studio and they're sculpting a bust of Superboy. So he says, well, I'll do that. And he goes and gets something. I don't know what the chisel's been up, but he carves a huge, like, Mount Rushmore type. Like, Mount type, Rushmore, uh, yes. This was very much the, um, on the, the minds of school kids in the late fifties, Mount Rushmore was, uh, was being funded by a, a March of dimes, a campaign to solicit your Roosevelt dimes. So you, they, we could pay and finish Mount Rushmore. So this was very much Americana. And that would be something they would be familiar with. Yep. Um, and he, he finishes it and it looks pretty good, but then another random lightning strike just carves up the figure. So now it looks like him. It distorts the Superboy, so it looks like him. So a plane flying by thinks that he's, uh, uh, it must be a, a defiant threat. He's warning us he is the enemy. So everybody is kind of miss, uh, miss that. He hears this and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to be good. And <laughs> this is where it really gets weird. The, a cop finds a kryptonite and covers it up with the lead. So Superboy recovers. Superboy then goes to the army. So he like puppet of melissa and uses super ventriloquism to throw his voice and he makes bizarro think that that's melissa and he and she goes well you'll fly me around i'll tell you where to go so he leads him to where the army is basically and another cliffhanger however as we get to this eighth page and i see superboy manipulating this before it may have been a reprint it may have for me. I don't know how to describe it. 63 years <laughs> old, this story is. Yet, I still recall those particular panels. Okay, now back to Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> and then Shorty, well, uh, Bob, sort of yeah. a, uh, a brainy kid who can't cut it as an uh, athlete. So he joins the chess team. Call your attention on the bottom of that page. It's an Asmet Park, New Jersey. Literally, you could cut this gun out and take it to the Palisades Amusement Park and get free admission or a free ride on a couple of their rides. And this coupon appeared in the October and November issue promotion. I don't know if they got paid for it, but of course the people at Palisades Park yeah. would be delighted to have a and jet plane. Mm -hmm. Whatever rides those. Uh, isn't there a who? There's a song about Palisades Park. Yes, it's a classic Beach Boys song, and Jan and Dean. Okay. I think. it's from that time period. But Palisades Park yeah. was like the Disneyland. Or the Disney World, or King's Island of uh, today. Right. 
Uh, it was the mecca in New Jersey and New York City to go to the amusement park and, and ride before the theme park yeah. became, you know, Disney became what it became. Disney, right, yeah. And then we get Casey the Cop, which is kind of a... Six-panel policeman joke. Six-panel, yeah, kind of a... a Little fillers joke story. Yeah, and, and kind of the the vein of, like, uh, Car 54 Art. Yes, very much. Um, That's good. That's a good yep. tie-in. That's about the time of this. Yep. Yep. And then we get the last chapter, which is the battle with Bizarro. And again, we get a little teaser because we see Bizarro and Superboy fighting with, which I can only imagine are parts of all this military equipment. They look like they're fighting with a couple yes, uh, the barrel, gun barrels. Gun barrels. Um, a little Freudian, do you think? <laughs> maybe a lot may, Freudian. Maybe, I don't know. It's right uh... over, the heads, over the heads of the kids at that time. And we get a little, and then of course, but then it jumps back to, uh, to Bizarro, you know, again, Superboy is using his super ventriloquism to to have Melissa tell him to land here, and he's like, "Why are we landing here?" And of course, Superboy is thinking to himself, "Because this is where I, you know, this is my trap I've set." And they start shooting, and then the shells just bounce off of him, and he and Bizarro's like, "What? What? What's that?" Uh, then they try to use a flamethrower on him. And he thinks that's they're just playing a game, and he sucks in all the sucks in all the fuel, uh, and that flame is and blows odd. It out again. Yeah, that flame with the way it's painted is odd. It's uh, a combination of the, red and yellow stripes. Yeah, the ink on it is a little a little bizarre, but <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, no pun intended. And he and he just shoots it back at him, and they, of course makes the the army run. And then they try to, I guess they try to run him over. They try to run him over with a fifty ton tank. And the treasure just tickling him. He, again, he thinks all this is some kind of a game. Uh, and then he destroys the tank, which I have to say, that's not drawn as a... This is 1958. That would be probably a patent tank, which came Sherman about at the tank, end of World yeah. War II. Yeah, well, they, they'd, stopped, they'd stopped using Shermans. They were using patents, which kind of replaced it. And that's what was most prevalent in World War II, or Korean War. There you go. This is drawing on the... Uh, they're not only marketing this to kids, but also to young adults or to servicemen who would be familiar with this. Um, I, I didn't think about that. Maybe that's why the Army is uh, so heavily uh, heavily involved. In. Yes. Not only that, he, he you know, Superboy, which is weird, Superboy work, working with the Army, and they have actually shipped atomic weapons and put them in a tent and a big sign out front that says, warning, atomic bomb. And the the colonel or whoever this guy is, he maybe he's a captain, says, uh, we run out of stuff. We've wrecked everything. And Superboy says, no, 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 just use that atomic bomb. Just give it to me and I'll drop it on him. They have no problem with <laughs> dropping an atomic device. On Smallville. And I guess they consider area. this as, right, it's, cl it's cleared somewhere. But Bizarro thinks it's a game and he catches it and throws it back at what he calls the, uh, the lamp in the sky, which is the sun. Uh, and I think it actually, ex well, it says it explodes 240,000 miles away. In other words, it's hit the moon. That, that it's hit the moon, center yeah. Center panel we were... <laughs> is a depiction of, of the mountains on the moon. Oh, that is the, the moon. That is the moon surface, isn't it? Because yeah. Superboy says, oh, you know, if it, if it hits me, the concussion will wreck Smallville, so I'll dodge it and let it go on to the moon. Okay, so yeah, it's not gonna hurt the moon. And then the the, I guess they were planning a moonshot at the same time yeah, because yeah. 
somebody says, Great Scott, we were ready to fire a lunar missile. Who hit the moon ahead of us? Like, okay, it sounds like they were going to fire a missile at the moon, not land on the moon, but just fire. Right, to see if they could get to it. I guess the, I guess that's always been the moon in all three panels. We assume that it, the yellow would be the sun, but in fact it's the full moon that he calls the maybe lamp it is in the, the sky. Moon. Yeah, he calls it the lamp. Yeah, so maybe it's nighttime. Uh, and then Bizarro you know, basically pulls Melissa's arm off and doesn't realize. They think he's starting to come around that she's... Um, she's not real. That she's a dummy. And, and he says, uh, oh, Melissa, you hurt, you will die, sob. And Superboy, being the sensitive person he is, says, Good grief, how dumb are you? Or how dumb can you be, Bizarro? <laughs> Stop blubbering. That's only a dummy I used to lure you here. So not a lot of empathy for Superboy here. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they, that's when they start fight, which is the fight we kind of see in that first panel where he throws a, a tank at him and splits him in half. And then they start using the gun barrels, and he's trying to find some way of... Countering him. Trying to find some weakness, right. So he, he, he kind of... He hits him like a gong, thinking the vibrations might hurt him. Uh, and then he throws him. They do some super judo. Uh, he throws him in the air, and he spins. <laughs> he spins like a boomerang. It's a boomerang, and it's nice to know that uh, that Saturday is so close to Earth. There, yeah, I uh, caught that too. <laughs> and he comes right back, and he hits him in the back like a boomerang. And uh, and Bizarro again thinks it's just a game, you know, and he. Uh, so he has to go back to find something that will like kryptonite because he was readily uh, uh, re willing to use kryptonite and destroy him. He talks about in the whole story that, yeah, I got to destroy this guy. And they keep emphasizing, well, he's not alive, so it's okay if I kill him. And it goes, and this Bizarro gets weak because, and you see a junk, um, like a junk truck in the back. And he starts reacting like he's around kryptonite and Superboy doesn't know why. Uh, and he thinks, oh, well, something has caused him to react this way. He's got to find out how. There's a bank labeled bank behind. There's a drug store. There's a shoe store. And so Superboy searching at super speed. What is it in this drug store that's affected him as the junk right. truck that has been in the foreground turns the corner and disappears from the scene? So he can't find the cause yet. Right. So then Bizarro takes off because he's kind of recovered. He says, I feel better. And then, uh, again, Superboy is still worried about trying to find uh, what caused it. And then we, we go back to Sir Bizarro is, is kind of fixated back on Melissa, who is out, I guess, with her mother. And she makes a comment that it's so quiet, she wishes she could hear a bubbling spring. So he decides to drill into the earth and <laughs> uh, create a hit an underground river. So it fills up with water, and she walks a pond, and she walks right into she walk, it. Or, she walks right, right, right into it, you know, like that she has been walking on in the backyard. So yeah, she says, "Oh, there's never water here before." Uh, that's when he realizes that she's blind. Oh, she walked into this water, and because she tells her mother at one point, "I'll go on ahead." Oh, was her aunt? "I'll go on ahead, Auntie. Uh, I know my way." So obviously, she doesn't need the dot, the guide dog, or the cane. But this reveals to Bizarro that uh, she was blind. And he helps her out, and he, she recognizes his voice, and then he realizes that, oh, that's why she was friendly with me, because she couldn't see me. Well, she couldn't see how ugly I am, so that's why she was friends. So now uh, I can never have a real friend. So again, he starts crying, and Superboy realizes that 
the uh, again the duplicate machine when it blew up they just threw the stuff away it might have been radioactive they just threw it away it was glowing and metal they didn't care they just threw it away yeah very clearly indicated it the first of the story that it was glowing but nobody notices nobody comments on how it's glowing how it seems to be radioactive it's a plot yeah that and, they didn't and deal with it the junk now. man is just dumping it out he doesn't seem to care and then then superboy uh then puts it together that because because the metal the duplicate machine blew up whatever was it irradiated it like kryptonite so it's it's becomes bizarro's kryptonite so he he goes and gets uh um uh he goes and gets a piece of it and it, much like in the the burn book uh he he flies at him and tells him uh, I have to destroy you with this glowing metal for Smallville's sake. Besides, you're not a living creature. Don't try to escape. So again, no empathy here. Uh, and he, the Bizarro was like, oh, you're going to try to kill me? He goes, I'm not going to run. I'll fly right at you. And they don't seem to hit. He seems to just kind of pulverize. Uh, and maybe it's the glowing metal that did it. Just kind of caused him to... Yeah, it's the close contact with it. Yeah, and he says... Um, the lifeless molecules which he was formed. So again, they're they're emphasizing that you know. I don't. I wonder if that is really for the for the kids reading this story to really hammer home that we're not killing anyone. Right. He's unliving. Right. We're not killing anyone who is alive. This is perfectly okay for what we're doing. Right. Comic code would not allow killing. Oh, I didn't think about time. that. That's right. The comic code. Uh, and then for some reason the that causes a vibration in the air and it restores melissa's sight unlike in the burn book where the whatever the the material that bizarre was made of cured uh lois lane's sister's sight this one is the vibrations and again we get some some uh crazy uh science here yeah he says sometimes the shock of changing air pressure when a plane dives can cure deaf passengers I didn't know that. No, uh, it's equalizing, <laughs> equalizing pressure in a plane. That used to be a problem back in the day. You had yeah. to swallow and tug on your ears. They're trying to draw yeah. a comparison. To that, yeah. So, likewise, the shockwaves of our super collision simulated your optic nerve back to life. Uh, and she's extremely happy. Uh, and then she says, it's just a coincidence that Bizarro's end cured my blindness. And that's when she says, you know, I never saw his face, but I knew from his general voice he must have had a kind face. And Superboy, again, is like, nah, I'm just going to let her think that he was good looking. I'm not going to tell her he was hideous. Uh, it's again. The end. The end. And that's it. You know, he just flies off and everything's fine. Uh, yep. And then we get Tootsie Rolls again. A lot of Tootsie Rolls in this. Uh, in this ad. Yes, they were the, the candy of choice. Yep. I'll bet you they paid for each one of those ads. Uh, they probably had a, a contract for three ads or four ads or whatever in each issue. Yeah. So uh, that was not unusual, especially if this is appearing in October. We're getting ready for Halloween. Mm -hmm. It kind of plants plants the idea there. Yeah. So this is, a, and if you think about the, the burn story, does, I mean, it, it grabs a lot of major plot points. It's a little... Yeah, uh, he borrows a little bit from the the I know in the neck in the action comics it comes like a year after this, where it's kind of a it's related to this because Luther found out about the duplicating machine, recreates it because he wants to create a duplicate Superman that will I guess do his bidding, and it turns out he creates a Bizarro, so that 
plot point was barred by Byrne, but the whole idea of him being kind of in perfect duplicate and falling in love with someone, the blind girl, especially the blind girl, uh, is taken directly from this. And the fact that uh, Superboy says at the end, he, he says, I wonder if Bizarro had like one brief, like uh, clear moment that he, of super intelligence, or I don't know what he calls it, that he super inspiration right he knew maybe that his like sacrifice Sac- himself would uh save her uh but we'll never know and that's the burn books the same way you know it's like he wondered if the bizarro knew that he kind of sacrificed himself to help out his friend um so it's very much a uh and also there is a have you ever seen a movie called the brute man what the brute man no. Or Brute Man. I think it's called The Brute Man. It's from either the early 60s or the late 50s. Uh, do you know who Rondo Hatton is? Uh, the actor with the misformed face? Correct. Yes. He stars in it uh, as The Brute Man. And in that, there is uh, he meets a blind girl that befriends him. She's the same way. She doesn't know what he looks like. He won't let her touch his face. And he... He tries to he tries to steal some money so she can have an operation to restore her sight. So it's very similar to that. It's the uh, Frank maybe the inspiration for this story could be. I don't, and I don't remember when that. I know Rondo Hatton died either in the late fifties or sixties. It could have been. Uh, it's the blind man in Bride of Frankenstein. It's a blind blind man and uh, the creature. You know, he, the blind man is doesn't know what he looks like, and he's. Mm-hmm. very kind to him and just wants he's lonely and in this mm-hmm. you know bizarro is just lonely he just he's just trying to find out who, where he fits so that was uh that was kind of our 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 uh our uh inspiration for doing this story because it is burn borrows very heavily from this story yeah I and mean, that's not unusual for burn he no. was, he when he did wrote in in the rewrote the early marvel history he would reinterpret the earliest Spider-Man stories mm-hmm. and put a more logical spin on them when he did uh, Marvel's Lost Generation. He yeah. would go back and pluck some gems from the monster era of Atlas and shine them up so that they would fit into Silver Age Marvel continuity. I mean, this this is not unusual for him. This is more of the same in my view. But uh, until you read that wiki entry, I had no idea that this story existed. I, I didn't either. I I did. I thought it was it was kind of, which is maybe explains why that story has the, the whole thing with the blind with Lois's mm-hmm. blind sister and her getting her sight back with the dust created from uh, Bizarro. I thought was a little odd. It, mm-hmm. it was kind of goofy, and it explained you know well obviously it's taken from this. This is a very goofy story. Um, it's fun. I mean, this story is very fun. If I mean if you're if you're a a real serious comic reader like now and you want that kind of grounded very serious uh logical story then you won't like this but i can i can imagine kids probably ate this up they probably thought it was great uh and as a and it's a when you read old books like this it's a great kind of um in a window into what you know what what the world was like you know you get to see kind of the kind of the, the stories that they were doing uh, before Marvel kind of came along and uh, made it a little more uh, less Pollyanna-ish and more conflict and angst. Exactly, right, right. More and yeah, because here nobody has any 
you know, Superboy doesn't have any doubts about what he's doing. He nobody has any doubts, but you know, Bizarro does. Nobody worries about Bizarro or the ethics at all. No, or <laughs> that's that's true. They you know Superboy, but I think that again that kind of speaks to the times that it's it's not that oh you're not real, you're not alive, you're a, you know you're a you know you're a robot, you're a copy, you're a uh, 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 construct. You're you know it's okay if we uh, if we if you uh, get rubbed out. You. Right. Exactly. But but I, that's why I, I, your idea of covering this, I thought it was a good idea because this is a good uh, view into either. So this is something from Burns, maybe his. Uh, and I've never read anything. I would love to know why he picked the stories. Obviously, Man of Steel. Well, he probably did research. I mean, yeah. he combined a couple of different ideas to, to create his story. So. You know, maybe this was reprinted in the greatest Bizarro stories ever told or something like that. But uh, whether it was presented to him or he did his own research, as I recall, he said the, his first Fantastic Four was like Fantastic Four 5 yeah. what, that his relative gave him on his sickbed. And so we know that he would have been at the comic reading age in approximately 1962. So even this is predates that. This is a little bit too old for him to have had in his hands, although I can't speak for that. Maybe maybe he did have a copy. Maybe he inherited it from someplace. I don't know. But uh, I think he did research. Yeah, and that'd be, I'd, I'd love that. That'd be a question to ask him. Because when he was doing, obviously, when he was doing Man of Steel, he had to hit certain beats. He had to introduce Lois Lane. He had to introduce mm -hmm. uh, Lex Luthor. He had to introduce uh, kind of uh, the Daily Planet and Perry White and Jimmy Olsen. He didn't necessarily have to introduce Bizarro. So unless he wanted to introduce Bizarro and he went back and read the earliest accounts of it and found this one and said, oh, that's cool. Or I wonder if he if he knew of this and he remembered it and thought, oh, I love that story or I like that story. I'm going to bring it in because, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily consider Bizarro to be an A. Would you consider him an A-list Superman villain? Uh in the Silver Age, yeah, I would consider him to be, as the, the mythology unfolds, yes. Um, but in hindsight, no, he, he was a goof. He's a quirk. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. you know, we, we treat him as a somewhat of a joke now. So I think at the time, he was just as, um, just as much of the rogues gallery as the, uh, I can't think of the term of the half Superman, half Batman character. Um, the the super hermaphrodite or whatever his name was. Oh, the the oh the multicolored. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So there's Lex Luthor, there's uh, Metallo, there's uh, uh, I can't think of the uh, the Brainiac. I mean, the, Brainiac, he was one yeah, of the 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 Rogues Gallery, and you didn't think anything more of him one way or the other. I want to point out something on the very on the very cover. Um, and again, we're reading this online from a couple different free comic reading sources. But if you go to the very front cover and you look at the, the face of, of Bizarro, he's very much patterned after Frankenstein. Exactly. High yeah. forehead, black short hair, jutting chin, and frequently through this whole story, that Frankenstein-ish image gets repeated, not only in terms of, gee, I misunderstood and I'm I'm slow and I'm stupid and I'm you know not only that way but visually I believe that this was in response to the uh, 
the Universal Monsters movie craze of the 1950s. I think it comes right out of that. Well, the, right, and all that, and I'm sure they had to keep it a little. Uh, they couldn't copy like Karloff's image too right. closely, exactly. or they would, you know, they could be sued. But uh, so that's probably why they made him more. His face is much more faceted, and but, that's also where the Hulk came from uh, as well. Particularly in the first couple exactly. of issues, yep. very clearly he's patterned after Karloff's oh, yeah. uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, the big forehead, the, the green, long down. to the point where where you would have thought that that uh, Universal would have sued them. I have something else to point out to you, uh, just a, as as kind of trivia here. The very last page, we mentioned all these Tootsie Roll ads. Note that this last ad is a contest. Name the character of the Tootsie Roll bear, and you could win prizes. You know. Uh, Gilbert Erector sets, uh, Colt bicycles, Tony dolls, dolls. Note it's Tony dolls, not Barbie. She's not a thing yet. Uh, and, you know, jumbo tootsie rolls and what have you. Oh, just enter the contest. And they have all these rules how to enter. Just give us your name, your address, your city, and your age. And you have to have five wrappers. This is very typical of uh, how they would get proof of purchase for their stuff. Look at the very bottom of the rules. Do you note anything that's missing there? Contest closes November 8th, 1958. Uh, to be eligible, you have to make it before midnight that night, that time. But uh, the address, hurry, mail your entry today to Tootsie Rolls, Box 1414, New York 1, One. comma, <laughs> NY. And what's missing? No zip code. No zip code because it wasn't established until the mid-60s. Mm. So all these ads that you see in the Silver Age are very curious because there's no such thing as a zip code. Yet if you'd mail to that address, it would still get there. Get there. I wonder I guess it's this I wonder if Paul would have sent that it just predates Paul, doesn't he? Paul's not that old. Uh yeah, he's a little younger than I am, so I don't know yeah, what year he's he was older born, than me, a little younger than me, but yeah. He's um, not gonna remember this, I don't think. <laughs> Anyway, well, we've spent about an hour here. Um, anything else we have to cover? No, I think it's just I, I if if I think if you're a Burn fan and you read Man of Steel, I would highly recommend anybody just to read this story. And again, it's it's online free. You can read it at I'm reading it Read Comics Online, uh, so it doesn't cost you anything to read it. Just to see how how close the two stories are, and to see you know, where Burn is either uh, either he is I don't. It's either an homage to it. I don't. I mean, he's not obviously not ripping it off, but because he borrows from it so heavily, I'm surprised he didn't put a some kind of acknowledgement. You know, thanks to or because right. I've seen him do that to Kirby. Because I know he's a huge Kirby Maybe fan. Maybe he did. Somebody else removed. Could it. be. Maybe they wouldn't. But you would think that they would want somebody to go back and uh, read this story. Just it just it puts more uh, emphasis on it. I. I I'm curious also if Scott Gardner's ever read this. I know he's a huge Man of Steel fan. I wonder if he, I wonder how many people are aware of this. Of this, so well, I, I wouldn't either. Even though the last chapter started feeling very familiar, I'm I'm quite certain someplace as a kid either somebody read it to me, or an older cousin had this. I've seen it someplace. It's probably reprinted. I know it's reprinted in like the greatest Superman stories. There's yeah. a couple of trades, but probably it was reprinted in some of those big. Uh, king size, yes. uh, all uh, bizarre. Books they would always, yeah, something like that. Stuff like that, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, I think I think we've kind of covered it. And I, I uh, 
you want to thank you for this is a great idea. Thanks for spending Saturday night talking about this for, you know, 45 minutes or so. Yeah, it's been fun. Now, if your name is Scott Gardner or your name is uh, Paul Spataro and you'd like to share your comments, even if your name isn't either of those and you don't want to share your comments, you can always write to us and give us your reactions or uh, or you can go on the Facebook page for a third degree burn or you can uh, write to got to get burned at gmail.com. And uh, put a put a in the subject line, you know, Bizarro. Yeah, let us know. Superboy Bizarro story or Superboy sixty eight uh, from nineteen fifty eight, just to, so that it'll stand out, so that we can sort the mail easy. But uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please go online, give us a rating. So on iTunes or Apple, what is it? Apple Media, Apple Tunes. Just Apple. I think it's just Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast, because that helps yeah. other people find the show. Uh, and again, uh, we're having fun doing this. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Again. And if you were looking for something that was more heavily steeped in burn, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another burn-centric uh, episode. Or maybe we'll have the latest on the uh, burn Elswin X-Men story that keeps uh, unfolding. But uh, we've had a little bit of fun going down memory lane here. Yeah, and if you want to hear our coverage of the actual John Byrne story, uh, it is uh, issue recording. It came out a week prior, but I believe it is episode 84. Okay, I should know that off the top of my head because it's. I, I think it's episode eighty four. Again, um, we, if you want to hear us talk about it, we did two episodes that dealt with the six issue Man of Steel miniseries. Right. Yeah. The Bizarro so we, issue is number five, so it falls halfway through the second. Yep. Right. All right, Kirk. Well, again, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to uh, just have like the two of us um, and have a quick little kind of a side cast like this. And as a as an anomaly to uh, as a kind of a companion piece to our other episode. So again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing the heavy lifting and uh, reading through this whole thing. Presenting. Oh, no, it was my pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn